Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Piki mai kake mai and welcome. From RNZ National, here's our changing world. Let's start with wine. When you work in the wine industry, one of the things you definitely don't want to have is a virus commonly known as leaf roll 3. There's no treatment, and until now the only options have been to use insecticide against the mealybugs that carry the virus or to pull infected grapevines out of the ground. It can be an expensive business. When Craggy Range Vineyard had to pull out eight hectares of their high-quality Chardonnay grapevines in 2011, they estimated the total cost to be $1.3 million. But Carmen Chui from Plant and Food Research is part of a team developing a new approach to the leaf roll 3 problem. And Alison meets her to hear about the multi-pronged research. So the disease issue we're looking at is a specific virus called grapevine leaf roll associated virus 3. Let's say that again. Grapevine, grapevine leaf roll associated virus 3. Do you have a shorthand for that? It's leaf roll 3. <laughs> leaf roll 3 is much better. Yes. So what does um, it do to the grapevines? So what this particular virus does, it can cause visual symptoms like the downward rolling of the leaf margins and premature reddening for red varieties. But more importantly for the wine industry, it can actually affect the yield, the fruit crop. It can cause uneven ripening in the fruits and actually reduce the sugar content and increase the acidity of the grapes. How does the virus spread in the vineyards? So there's two main routes for spread of leaf roll 3. The first main route is through mealybug transmission. So these are um, small insects which feed on virally infected vines and then as they crawl they can go into a neighbouring vine and feed onto that transmitting the virus. Another route is through propagation. So this is if there are infected vines which are then cut and propagated um, in the field that are infected. And that can be planted in the new vineyard. And are planted in the new vineyard, yes. Does it affect all grape varieties? It affects all grape varieties, the reds, the whites and rootstocks. And a lot of the research currently now is looking at what are the effects. And that's where my project's actually um, looking into a little bit more specifically about how it can affect particular cultivars. So how do you go about doing that? So from my PhD studies, we know that the virus itself is quite diverse based on its genetic code. And part of my current postdoc um, project is actually looking at how these different different genetic variants or strains of the virus actually affect the plant host itself. So do you have different responses depending on what type of virus is infecting that plant? How many strains have you identified? At least six so far. Um, We have another PhD student who is looking at more diversity. And around the world at the moment we're up to about eight or nine different strains or genetic types. In this current project we're looking at three specific um, genetic variants of the virus in four different cultivars. So what are the cultivars that they affect or that you're looking at for your study? So currently we're looking, in this particular study, we're looking at two red varieties, which is Merlot and Pinot Noir, and two white varieties, which is Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Gris. 
Okay, so is this something you're doing in the lab and or are you doing it in the field? So we're taking a two approaches to this. We're doing a frill trial, um, which is spread across three sites in New Zealand, Auckland, Hawke's Bay and Marlborough. And we're also taking a lab approach where we're trying to replicate the frill trial in um, the lab using tissue cultures. Have you got a picture of what this looks like on a vine? So what it looks like in the field is reddening of the leaves, the curling of the leaves. So it's just sort margins. of blotching and reading in patches all over the leaf. But generally the very common um, feature of it is the green veins. So the veins of the leaves remain green where the rest of the leaves are red. You also said the edges of the leaves do roll. Yes, so they're quite prominent in the field. You can see them curl back. This is showing a picture of one particular bay in the field of a Merlot vine infected with the one genetic type. And you can see the reddening is throughout the vine. Um, when this particular genetic type, you see the reddening is not as widespread and not as severe looking in the pictures. So you see two or three leaves that are, are red, where in this particular vine, pretty most of the leaves have reddened. Can we go and have a look on the lab and see what work goes on there? That's a great idea. Here are some leaves actually... Tons and tons of them. <laughs> yeah, um, actually from the field trial in Auckland. So what are you going to do with those? So what we do with these leaf samples is, as Brogan is demonstrating here, is she's taking a couple of leaf punches across the main vein of the leaf and putting them into sampling bags. And once Bronner's taken the, the leaf punch samples, then what happens? So she'll take the leaf punch samples, put them in the freezer for a while to uh, help with the crushing later on. She'll then put some extraction buffer and then we'll just grind it with on this drill press here. And it just uh, crushes the leaf material to actually extract the virus particles to, out of the cells. And then from then on, after that has been crushed, we'll actually put those samples onto ELISA plates, which have been coated with a particular antibody that can actually pick up the virus particles and actually pick up the coat protein of the virus. Have you got any of those plates? And there's some over here. What, 90 well plates or something? Yeah, so these are 96 well plates, and each of these wells had a particular sample and also negative and positive controls. And so when you get, in this particular example, when you get a yellow colour change, it's positive for the virus. And where it's clear and you have seen no colour change, it's negative for the virus. Okay, so that one's about half and half? Yes, about half and half. And you've got other trays that are quite got, yellow. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of them here that are highly positive with virus. And that's to be expected with the field trial. Is this something that is easy to identify in the field, or is it really easy to confuse it with something else? So for red varieties, it's actually um, Vaughan Bell in Horse Bay has been working on visual identification of the disease based on the change in the, the leaves. And so he can quite, with a trained eye, quite easily identify leaf roll infection. With the white varieties, that's a bit more of a problem because generally it's either symptomless or the symptoms are actually quite minor. So for red varieties, um, Vaughan has been able to identify it, but, but not for whites. But that raises the possibility that you could train a group of people who are experts in identifying it in the field and they could 
go into the field and visually assess it. Yes, and that's what we're hoping to do with the field trail is to actually bring um, growers into the field trial, to actually train and calibrate their eyes to identify this disease for red varieties and then take that information and go and use it in their vineyards and to be able to pick up the leaf roll uh, disease for red varieties. What do they currently do for identifying the virus? They've started to do visual inspections with the help of New Zealand wine growers, but also we do a lot of ELISA testing to ensure that the positives that they see are actually positive. In the Can lab. you explain that to me? What kind of testing? ELISA diagnostic tests. So the virus has the genetic code, its nucleic acid is actually coated and is actually protected by a protein called the coat protein. And so the ELISA is an antibody based test which actually detects for the coat protein that is coating the virus genetic code. So what we're trying to do is train um, growers to be able to visually identify in red varieties and for white varieties we've developed a new ELISA diagnostic test which is highly sensitive. Um, we're also trying to look at more molecular techniques so looking at the actual genetic code um, and developing tools to, to target that particular aspect of the virus. Over the past season, um, at the start of this year, we've been looking firstly at the visual symptoms, so looking particularly at the red cultivars to see if there's a difference in the timing of potentially the reddening in the leaves and the symptom development between the different genetic strains of the virus and we're looking also at the severity of the symptom expression. Is one genetic variant actually causing more symptoms or, or worse symptoms on the actual grapevine um, compared to a different genetic strain? So do you have any results yet which might suggest one strain has an earlier onset than another one or that one is more virulent than the other? Preliminary results from this just previous season actually shows that yes, one is showing the symptoms seem to be to express a lot earlier this also has a highest severity in its symptom development in the actual leaves. And we're hoping in the new season we'll potentially get some berries from the vines and hopefully we'll look at the sugar content and other aspects also to see if that has a difference between the genetic variants. So this is very much about detecting the virus in the field and presumably detecting it, it as early as possible. Is this something the grower can actually treat or do they have to just pull up the vines and start again? There's no cure for the virus so you have to pull them out, rogue them out of the field to reduce the amount of spread that occurs in the vineyard. So I'm trying to understand this particular virus to try and see if the very uh, of mild strain cross protection will work for this particular virus. So tell me about that theory. So mild strain cross protection uh, is based on finding a mild strain of the virus. So it's a, a strain of the virus that causes little or no symptoms on its plant's host. And then once that is actually infected in the host, it actually protects that particular plant from a more severe strain of the same virus. So the wider aim of this particular project is trying to understand or trying to see if we can actually use this particular theory for leaf roll 3. Okay, so in a sense you're inoculating the, the plant just with a, a less virulent strain 
which then protects it against the more virulent strains. Yes, so it's, it's something that uh, would naturally be in the environment and we're looking for natural mild strains of leaf roll 3. Um, so first we need to understand what we have and then we'll try to look for a milder strain. Does this have implications for crops other than just grapes? We've also been looking at a similar scenario for tamarillo growers and a particular virus called the tamarillo mosaic virus. Um, so that we have found a mild strain, uh, Roman McDiamond and some master students in our lab um, have been working on that particular virus and so that they've identified a mild strain and severe strains of that particular virus and is looking into the same strategy for cross protection for tamarillos. So it could have quite big implications for our horticulture industry. It, it is one method into protecting um, your plants and your crops uh, from more severe strains of particular viruses and particularly for virus diseases but it's a very a lot more research is required to really understand its capabilities so that's where we are at. We're doing a lot of background foundation research to be able to utilise potential options and strategies. And that was Carmen Chui, a postdoctoral researcher at Plant and Food Research in Auckland. That's all for now, but you can stay in touch with us on Twitter at RNZ underscore science. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.